good morning. Hey, my name is Zorro. I'm one of the pastors here. Sorry, I'm not Brian. If you thought I was gonna be our lead pastor today, I'm not him. Hey, I'm Zorro. I am so glad to be here with you all this morning. Um, so I've been here for almost two months now. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, I'm gonna tell you, like I told first, hey, we can't clap the whole entire time today. I'm gonna say something to you. No, we can't do that. We don't have enough time. I ran out of time. I went 15 minutes over. So if you want to get to lunch and not make it linear, you got to let me go. <laughs> but hey, what I have learned, <laughs> what I have learned is uh, since I'm new here, I got about two to three more sermons I can just think. And y'all will be like, good job, Zora. Woohoo. So the pressure's off to me, off today. I got no pressure because it can stink and you guys will be like, hey, good job. And I'll be like, all right, thanks, man. <laughs> Uh, but hey, I am so excited that we're going through the series of Renovate and Radiate, right? And um, the title of today's message is really All In, All In. It's, it's not like a, a CD that skipped, right? It really is meant to be All In, All In. What I mean by that is, are we All In collectively? And are you All In individually? So are we going to be All In collectively? And will you be all in individually? Because what we, what we learned about here in the story of Nehemiah chapter 3 is that they built this wall, but they could only do it together. And that meant everybody had to be all in and every individual had to be all in. And here's the deal. When they did that, Go Team Church, they served well. They did. But it was only when it was Team Church. Because when it wasn't Team Church... It wasn't good, you know, right? Because what happens, dude? Do you guys know if, you, uh, if they built a wall for protection? If any part of the wall was compromised, then the whole thing was, was not good, right? And I, all I know is I don't want to be a part of a team. I don't want to be part of a church that uh, makes it to the playoffs, right? So if everybody's not on the team that is all in and going together, that as good as your team gets, it's just enough to make it to the playoffs. I'm in it for championship rings, right? I want to win a ring, and it's not about, hey, about us getting so big. I don't care about all that. When, when we win championship rings here, what that means is people come to know Jesus. And that not only do people come to know Jesus, and that for us who already know Jesus, we get to know him better. That's my championship ring, and that's what I want to be a part of. But if you know anything about sports, I know some of y'all don't know anything about sports. I can tell by the way you look, okay? Yeah, yeah, yes, I'm judgy, whatever, dude. Uh, I want to win a ring. So we got to go through, I, I want to be faithful to Scripture. So Nehemiah chapter 3, it's a long one. I'm not going to read it. I have somebody else reading it for us. It's 4 minutes and 52 seconds. Please don't take a nap. It's God's word. Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, repaired. And next to them, 
the Tekoits repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joeda, the son of Pasea, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yashana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatea, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Meronathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaf, repaired, opposite his house. And next to him, Hatush, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashu, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalum, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth-Hakaram, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kolhozeth, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzer, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Rehum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabai, ruler of half the district of Kela, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Hanadad, ruler of half the district of Kela. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Meramoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Ashub repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoids repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shekaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. After him, Mashalun, the son of Barakiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malachijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate, 
and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Wow, all right, you can wake back up now. Wake up, wake up. All right. Hey, bad news, you have to sit through that. Good news is you probably never have to do that again. Right, you give a, somebody goes, hey, I want to read Nehemiah 3. You're like, I'm good. I read it already, dude. All right. But hey, we want to be faithful to Scripture, so we want to make sure we went through every single one of God's words. Uh, um, so they built the wall. They did it together because they believed in Nehemiah. They believed in leadership, and they believed in the vision. Right? So let me remind us of our vision here, is that we're to be the church, that we are going to be the church that God has uniquely designed pathway to be here on 58th and 12th not necessarily the big mega church the small church the church in wherever we're going to be the church that God has uniquely designed us to be and that we're going to be a place that uh, restoring with God and with all people in our pathway that we're going to be raising up with God and with all the gifts active that this is going to be a place that's reaching out with God and with others all in our lives. So do you believe, have you bought into that? Are you, do you want to be a part of a place that is restoring, raising up, and reaching out? You got to answer, and you got to answer that first. Do you want to be a part of that place? Or, or can you be a part of a place like that? Right? Can you trust in the leadership? Will you trust in the leadership? Can you buy into this vision? Will you trust into the vision? Because if you do, we're going to win a championship. We just are. Because then we're all in and we bought into the system. We bought into the process, right? Trust the process. Then we do that. Are you? Are you? That's a, that's a real moment between you and God. You and your family. You and God. That you got to come through that and say, okay, I either trust or I don't. You know, because when you do trust, whoo, you saw what they did. You know, Pastor Brown, I think, talked about last week, nobody ever thought that could be built that quickly, that wall. And it was done. It was done. Okay? Uh, so let's, let's go. Um, do, you, do you feel like you need to be renovated? Because I, I believe for us to even renovate ourselves, ourselves need to be looked upon and like, hey, where's my heart at? Before I can be a part of a church that's renovating and radiating, I need to check my own self. And you're like, what do you mean, Zora? Didn't I come in today looking all nice and clean and ready? Got my coat on, my cup of coffee, my Bible. Yeah, you look like a good Christian. I don't mean you're there, there, right? It doesn't mean your heart needs to not be renovated still. The minute we think we're done being renovated, you're done for. You will never be done. You'll never have, you'll never have arrived to that place. And the minute you feel like you've arrived, be careful. Be careful. So if your hearts are being renovated so you can radiate, then you, then you can become a part of a place like this. You're like, what do you mean, Zoro? You know, I, I think this place is 22 years old, right? You saw our life cycle plan. Uh, and you're like, Zora, 22 years old, that's kind of new, isn't it? I have sweaters and T-shirts older than 22 years. <laughs> you're laughing because I know you do. Maybe it's time to get rid of them. 
but this place is, you know, especially living here, I'm learning now in Florida, right? I ain't gonna say who, but she's sitting over here on the left. She made me all sad the other day. She's like, yeah, you're Traeger, guess what? It's gonna get weathered, it's gonna get all rusty. And I'm like, what, it, what? Yeah, because I guess the weather here in Florida ruins stuff. Whatever, dude, thanks for not telling me that before. Uh, before I made the decision to come here. But so stuff needs to get done, right? Here's why. Here's why the stuff needs to get done. Because if this is okay, then we have a place so we can be renovated together so then we can radiate. It's so we can live out that John 13, uh, 35 passage, right? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You know what our greatest asset here is that pathway? It ain't, it ain't the building. It ain't the 40 acres that we own. You want to know what the greatest asset at Pathway is, I've learned? It's you. It's you. Yep, I called you an asset. That's all you are to me. That's the best thing about Pathway is the people. That is the best thing about Pathway is the people. And I want people in our community to come see this. Because if they come see this and experience this, they have nowhere else to turn other than to be like, they love each other. Why? It's because of Jesus. Because of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that lives in me, and the way we interact with one another as a community, people will come to know Jesus because of that, because of our love for one another. And that happens when we have a place that is renovated, that's taken care of, so we have a safe place so we can radiate. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? Because, you know, um, I've always, here's the deal, okay? I wish a camera would follow me all day, all week long, honestly. Not because I want to be a reality TV star and I want to be like the Kardashians, right? That's not my role. I don't want to be one of those. But the reason why I want a camera following me all week long so I can show it with you, to you all because I want you to see how many times during my week, because I work here, right, I serve here, that God just shows up and it's like, but God, no way, that really happened? Like this week I sat with the city manager in, uh, at Vero Beach, nice guy. We're going to start partnering up and doing stuff with the city. But then other times throughout the week, but God, but God moments, all these moments where God is just moving and working. And I want you to see it because if you see it, you will catch the heart and vision why we do all this together because God is moving and God is doing stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna share a story, okay? And I want you to know if you ever share it with me and you're ever in my office, don't think that you're gonna be on this platform and I'm gonna share your story. Somebody got bought me a hat that said, um, whatever you say or do, maybe using a sermon, okay? So don't think that that is potentially you. But I am going to share this story, and I asked them if I could. And the only reason why I'm doing this is not because I want anybody to get the credit, but it's because I want you to know what God is doing right now, right here in our midst, okay? Story about this guy named Mike, okay? Mike and his wife, Katie, they came to the food pantry, okay? If you don't know this, we have an amazing food pantry that's uh, beats multiple times during the week. And it's not like this food pantry that you think of a church food pantry where it's like, oh, well, let me look at the expired stuff, right? And like hand that out. Dude, it's actually good stuff. Like it's meat, it's uh, milk, and 
dude, I'm a little hood. I've taken stuff out of that pantry before. <laughs> you know, take it home. Because it's about to expire. So they're like, hey, Zora, would you like? And yes, I'll take those strawberries at like $7 a container. Yes, I will take those. So I've eaten a ton of strawberries, right? We have good stuff in our food pantry. But that's not the end goal. The end goal isn't like, hey, let's just uh, come and be a place where people could come to our food pantry. You know what happens in our food pantry? There's this old guy named Bill. And the rest of the team, right? Yes, he's old, dude. He's, he really is. Or, or I could church it up and be like, he's more further along than us, okay? Okay. But he doesn't just hand out the food. Like, he shares the gospel with people. Like, and it's not even like the, oh, hey, uh, you're blessed because, you know, we're able to bless you because of God's good. It's not even that. He gets in deep in the gospel with everyone that comes through those doors. That whole team does, okay? Um, and this guy got saved, Mike. So he comes to the food pantry with his family. He gets saved. And then the next part of the pro- process is he gets, there's an email that's sent to me uh, and other people, I hope. Um, and, and they go, hey, this guy accepted Christ. So then what I do is I, I called him or I shot him a text message. Says, hey, my name's Zora, pastor here. So glad you accepted Christ. And then we started a relationship. We started, you know, talking. Um, and then uh, I was like, dude, this is so exciting. I'm like, hey, can I come hang out with you? Because... You know, my family's not here right now, so I got nothing else to do. So on Monday, MLK Day, I went to his house before the parade, and I brought his family some donuts. They live in the Gifford area. So I got to hang out and got to be in a relationship with him, got to know him better, and then I know that he's an addict. So he's struggling with stuff, and he's okay with me sharing that. I asked him. So then I, I, I know, hey, we better stay close with this guy, better love on him, you know, he just accepted Christ. And then I send this Bible study on Monday night with a bunch of dudes in our church. And I don't know, you know, we, I start, they invited Mike to the Bible study and he didn't show up. That's okay though, he wanted to. Um, but here's the deal, they were all worried about him. And I don't know, John, maybe I cried that night, I don't know, but all I know is that was one of the most powerful moments of ministry for me, not because I did anything. It was powerful because I saw the body of Christ literally saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to let this man fail. He has too much to lose. He has kids. He has a wife. They're like, nope, we're going to do everything it takes. We're going to text him. We're going to call him. We're going to pick him up. We're going to do whatever it takes so we will not let him fail. That was so powerful to me to know that, you know, then his family needed help. We have a benevolence ministry, another guy named Bill, Frederick. So if you're super holy, if you're Bill, okay? If your name's Bill, you're holy. Um, he helps out with the benevolence. So we're able to help out his family. Then I hear, you know, his wife Katie comes to our Wednesday night Bible study. She's getting connected with women who love on her. Then I, and then I, find, out to, uh, then I find out that she was part of this thing called Buggy Bunch that we are invested in here as a community. And I sat with somebody... Um, Jane, I think it was Jane. She comes to our church. She like runs the buggy bunch. She's like the operations. She's like a main person there. And it's just nuts that we are doing this all together. And other people in our our pathway, they serve at the buggy bunch. And they're serving this community. We're all working together to build this wall. We're all doing it together so we can help families like Mike and his family out for the kingdom of heaven That's the vision. That's what you are investing in. If you call Pathway Home, that is what you are doing right this moment already without maybe even knowing it. There was like for him to be here and his family, 
there was like 40-ish people that were involved to make this happen. That's exciting because here's what's gonna happen with this family. I can guarantee you this. I'm gonna claim it right now in front of everybody. I guarantee you that cycle is done. His, his, yeah, his cycle is done. It's, the chains are being broken. His kids will grow up differently. You know why? Because of Jesus and because this body ain't gonna let him fail. We're gonna lock arms with him and say, whatever you need, we're gonna be all in. We're gonna be all in. And that's what you're invited to. That's the kind of walls we're building here, right? Him and his family come to his church. And he, I mean, for some reason, they did visit a couple other churches back in the day. And you know what he told me this week? I, actually, last night, I think, we were talking. And he goes, Zoro, this is the first church that we've ever been to where we were able to sit through the service because they didn't call us or beep us during the service saying, hey, come get your kids. So that's a shout out to Dana and Lindsay, PK kids. They're just killing it back there. First time, first time they didn't have to leave service. And they've been here for like a month now. God is doing some really cool things here, man. He really is. Um, okay, so hey, so if you trust and we do this stuff together, it's going to be all good, right? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Elijah, uh, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work to rebuild the sheep gate. Okay, so leaders lead out, right? This is a big passage a lot of like leadership conferences use because it shows as leaders, you have to lead by example. So if you own a, your own business or you're a supervisor or you manage people, your job is to be the lead servant. You are the lead servant. That is your role. And I want you to know that it happens here at Pathway, okay? And the only reason why I'm gonna share this story again because I don't wanna... Don't pat me on the back. I don't care, dude. But it's because I want you to know. I want to be transparent, right? People will say, hey, authentic. Yeah, I want to be real. So sometimes you got to share stories about what's happening here, okay? Uh, so this girl named April who works in our tech booth back there, right? Hey, little April. Yeah. Seriously, you clap all day. We're going to be here. Come on, stop. Uh, April back there, she's moving out for the first time, right? And like, uh, like a month ago or something like that. And she goes, hey, Zor, uh, uh, no, I offer. I go, hey, dude, if you need help moving, let me know. And I think she was probably thinking like in her mind like, oh, that's the pa one of the pastors just trying to be all Christian, right? I'm like, no, seriously, dude, because I have a, I may look bougie, but my, dude, I have a beater truck. My truck's like 2,000-something, right? It has dents in it. So I'm like, I, I hope anybody move because if it dents something, ain't, scratch, ain't nobody going to know. So I'll move anything, right? A few days later, she comes back to me and says, Hey, Zora, were you being serious about helping me move? I'm like, yeah, dude. And she goes, well, I got weird hours. I go, I don't care. Just give me the keys to your house that you live in now and give me the keys to your new house and tell me what you want moved and I can do it. She goes, really? I go, yeah, dude. So here I am thinking like, okay, she's 20, early 20s. That's going to be cakewalk. Like, what has she really got, dude? What has she really got? God is funny. Because first thing I do, she goes, oh yeah, there's some old couches in the church that they're going to give away. So I go to the shed back here, and I'm like, dude, it's all hard to get open. And I'm like, I'm like struggling just to get the shed open. So I'm like, this is starting off great, right? I finally get that thing pried open, and then I'll look in the shed, 
and I almost start crying. Because I don't know what couches, I've never seen couches like this. Like the, the width of it was like a queen size bed. I'm like, seriously, I'm one person. How am I gonna get this inside my truck? God blessed me that day with some Samson strength, right? So I was able to get it in. I don't know how. And if you, uh, I see some old people here, okay? You guys remember that Beverly Hillbillies, that show? You know that, the intro, that was my truck, right? So here I am loading this truck up and Nate drives by. Nate, you know, the guy that was up here all Christian, right? Okay, I'm gonna tell you about Nate right now. He was like, hey, Zoro, you need help? And I'm like, oh, what? And then he goes, all right, him and Banks just bounce out. I'm like, dude, I'm your boss, bro. You don't even help me? Come on. Him and Banks just leave. I'm like, all right, that's cool, Nate. I'm going to remember that, fool. I'm going to write that in my notes. So I'm driving anyways to now going to April's house with my car all stacked up. And in my mind, because I don't know how to pack stuff, dude. As you can tell, look, dude, I ain't got no calluses. I ain't, that's not my gift, Okay. Hard labor, I know for sure I ain't called to do hard labor. I just know that, okay? But I am called to serve. So remember, that's a huge difference. We're all called to serve, and our calling is different. We're always called to, uh, in our calling, we're always called to serve. We're not always called to just, uh, service maybe look different for short seasons, right? And I'll unpack that a little later. But I, all I know is, and I was driving, I don't really know how to bungee cord anything, so I'm just thinking, it's probably going to fall. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm bougie. I don't care if it falls. I'm going to buy her a new couch. I don't even care. Because I ain't going to stop in the middle of the road. Have you seen, Florida drivers are nuts. Bro, what, do you know what red lights are? They're, you're supposed to stop. They go after. So I'm like, uh-uh, dude. The couch falls, I'm out. I'm good. I'll buy her a new one. I'll go to living spaces. I don't know. Or rooms to go, right? Um, so as I'm driving there, I'm thinking, oh, she lives in the 300s. That probably means third floor. Yeah, dude, I'm, I got Samson strength, but not like super Samson strength, right? So I'm like, I got to call somebody. So I call one of our, because I don't really know them, that many people at this point, right? I, I call Mike Pickerel, who is one of our elders, one of our board members. And, it, I, and I'm swinging for a home run here because I'm like, Mike, in seven minutes, can you meet me at April's house? Because I'm driving over there. And he goes, yeah, of course, man. And I'm like, seriously? He goes, yeah, I'm, we're called to serve. All right, sweet, dude. I don't think he knew what he was getting himself into. And I wasn't going to share the whole story, right? I was like, hey, Mike, just come on. It's, it's just a couple couches, bro. <laughs> so he gets there. And, dude, I don't know who built this. They, they must have been on some drugs. Because it was like, go up, go right, go up. It was all like, I'm like, there's no way these couches are going to fit. So, like, Mike had to go back, get his drill. We had to saw stuff. We had to, like, take out feet just so we could get in there. And here I am all hot and sweaty, dude, because there's no AC. And then I'm like, is it always going to be? He goes, it gets worse. I'm like, what? It's already humid enough. I know without a doubt that I'm not called to labor, okay? <laughs> you may not be called to labor, but we, well, we are always called to serve. And there may be short seasons for you to serve out of your giftedness. But you're always called to serve in your calling. Got to find that out. So the, the high priests, you think they wanted to build walls? They, they probably didn't know how, they, they didn't have calluses either. They're doing all that spiritual stuff. But they came and they built walls. Aren't you glad that you ain't the person that has to build the dung gate? 
Because <laughs> dung is, you know what? But you may be called to do the dung gate for a while and just know it's for a season. We're called to serve from the top all the way down. We're just lead servants. And if we're all doing that, we could build this amazing wall with no messed up pieces. And because there ain't no messed up pieces, we can do some damage here in Vero Beach for the kingdom of heaven. Don't you want to do that? And they did it, right? As you, as you guys heard the like four minutes of, and 52 seconds of scripture, that they did it as a team. It was always a team. This, that, this person, that person, right? It was always a team. I'm all about the team game, right? Can I have done April's move without Mike? No. The answer is no. Absolutely not. Um, so it says this in Scripture. It says, um, Mark 6, Then Jesus went around teaching them from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. Question to you is, you may be serving right now. Who are you partnering up with? Who are you linking arms with right now in ministry? Because you're called to link up with somebody else. And why? It's because someday you need to be able to go so they can grow. You got to be able to go so they can grow. I think we sometimes we hold on to our ministry, our positions so tightly, we don't want to be able to go so others can grow. You got to be okay with that. I always was trying to work myself out of, out of a position so others can step into it, so then I can go, so they can grow, and so the church can grow and not be stumped and not be. Who, who, who are you going to partner up with? So before this, um, I couldn't even like write this up better. So uh, one of my dearest best friends in the whole world, his name is Dan, and we partnered up together, Okay. And um, I was supposed to preach last weekend, and it didn't work out. So I got, Pastor Brian was like, hey, Zora, you could do this weekend. And Dan, it so happens to be here this weekend, right? Because our budget ain't that big. I can't fly some dude out just to, like, share a minute with me, right, and us. But he was already out here, so I want to welcome up Dan. Dan, come on up here. So Dan is walking up here. Uh, there was three strikes against this dude. Right? Yeah, dude. So the, <laughs> he don't care, he got nothing loose. Uh, the three strikes are one like, so I get an email, right? I'm the, at this point, I'm, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I'm the student ministries pastor at our old church, my old church. And uh, it says, hey, this new intern wants to come and maybe potentially be part of your church. And I'm like, well, he's from Malone, strike one, because I have no idea what Malone is. <laughs> strike two, he's from Ohio. I'm like, Ohio? I know, whatever, Ohio, what good, what good comes out of Ohio, right? <laughs> Other than Jamie. Other than Jamie, Jamie's good. You got lucky, Randy. Okay. And the third thing is another church already wanted him. And I knew the other church, I knew the lead pastor there, great dude, godly dude, and they were going to offer him money, which I couldn't, I wasn't going to offer him nothing. So I'm like, fine, well, let's meet. I'm going to get some free Starbucks out of this. I'm going to sit there and just get my vente and just kick it. And I was just texting the whole entire time because I don't care. <laughs> like, he's probably not going to be with me anyways, and I don't really want him, you know. And, wow, God did something, huh, Dan? Yes, he did. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with him, but uh -oh. uh, the, uh, yeah, the verse that really actually got me out to California because I graduated from college 
uh, at Malone University in, in Canton, Ohio. And that's right. Home. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Canton, woohoo! <laughs> Um, and so, but God called me to ministry, and so I actually went out to California for uh, a seminary at Azusa Pacific University. But the verse that got me out there was Acts chapter 20, verse 22, where Paul says, uh, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know where I'm going, but the Holy Spirit compels me. Uh, and I know that there's going to be problems and prison and persecution, all things coming. I didn't know that was going to come in the form of Zorro, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, God... This persecution is starting right now with this man right here. But no, that yeah, so that's why I went out to California. I needed an internship. I needed somewhere to serve, and, and Zora gave me a chance. And, uh, yeah, we served together for 10 years. Yeah. So, so here's the deal, dude. I would consider Dan, like, there's, like, five dudes in my life that if anything was to ever happen, he would be the first call. Like, I'm talking, like, serious, right? He'd be the first call, one that I make and say, hey, Dan, even though we may not talk for a year, six months, he would still because that's how tight we are. But we didn't get that. You started interning for me as a high school intern, right? High school. And then, you know, he lived the American dream and climbed the ladder, right? Then he became on staff and then he ended up running high school. Uh, so what was it like, Dan, for you and I just to serve together? Wild ride. That's what it was. Um, yeah, so first of all, shout out to our team. They're not here this morning, but they, we came down here to do a staff retreat. And so thank you for the Southern hospitality that we've had. Uh, it's been incredible. So thank you for that. Um, but they asked me to describe this man. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. You have to meet him. Um, but one of the things that was incredible, um, and I wish I would have said this the first service, bro. Like, oh, that's all good. He's going to get me crying Make sure you record here. this one. He, yeah, he's going to get me crying up here. Oh. But this dude showed me that, that ministry can be fun, right? And so I was sitting in seminary classes, four-hour classes, reading theology, learning all these guys who have done ministry all these years. Uh, but then I do ministry. I'm like, he's just out there. <laughs> he's just out there loving people, serving people, uh, connecting with people, making people laugh. We're going on these crazy adventures. He's calling me at all hours of the night to be at different places. I'm putting together beds. I'm moving couches. We're going on <laughs> mission trips. But it was fun. And it was fun to see uh, that people were coming to Jesus, that students felt loved, that mothers and everybody, the whole spectrum of people were loved by this dude. And he could connect with the little kids uh, in the children's ministry program. He could connect with the, uh, the, the seasoned folks uh, in our presence as well. Like, so, but everything in between. And so he made ministry fun for me. And it was, a, it was an incredible joy. Wow, I appreciate that. But so building the wall with us as we locked arms wasn't depressing. No, I can't even tell you. Remember that one night, dude? We, one night we, we were in on a missions trip. We started, I think we had, uh, remember that we had a Cracker Barrel for dinner, and then two hours later we had Waffle House. Remember that? <laughs> I just remember that. So ministry can be fun. I mean, show this picture, dude. So this is a picture of Dan. At a public high school in our, in our community, look at this. These are people at lunchtime, these kids at a public school, and he's preaching the gospel to them. Thou, uh, it must have been a thousand at least kids there. I mean, this is, this is the serious stuff we did. But man, we ate together, huh? We ate together, right? You know, that, that was fun. So, hey, Dan, um, so we did life together. We did ministry together. What are you doing nowadays? 
Yeah, so long story short, uh, God called us to Akron, Ohio. Um, <laughs> nobody's Not clapping me. for that one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you know anything about Akron, Ohio, it's a rubber city. It's a rubber city. So you're welcome if you drive Goodyear tires, BF Goodridge, Firestone, any of those. Like that started in Akron. And so our church, Citizens Akron Church, is actually in Middlebury. Middlebury is the oldest settlement. That's where the city of Akron started, and it was surrounded by these big industries. And as those industries kind of pulled their business out of Akron, uh, it just, who's left behind? Mm-hmm. The people, right? And so that disinvestment, the jobs, it just kind of leaves all kinds of economic disparity and poverty and all these different things. And so our church has come in and we've said, we're only seven years old and we've said, hey, we want to be a neighborhood church. We want to serve people. We want to be, uh, yeah, we want the kingdom of God in Akron as it is in heaven. And so we've started a housing program where we actually, we do what you, your sermon series is saying. We renovate houses so that families can stay in the community and kids can stay in the schools. And there's not a, yeah, there's not a mobility rate, meaning they they can start in the school during the year and finish that school year instead of moving around and bouncing from school to school. But then we also started what I'm currently doing now. Uh, I'm the executive director of, uh, of a community program, after school program called the Vincent House. There's a whole story behind that too, but we just launched in 2022. Uh, but we have this incredible facility. We have a gym that we just renovated. Uh, and our plan is to, to be able to serve kids after school K through 12 and then also do sports programming. We're starting a dance studio here pretty soon. Uh, so there's just a lot of exciting things. But one of the things that I, I've learned from this guy is that, hey, you got to be out in the community uh, and connect with kids. And so we've taken that. Our team goes into the school. We have incredible uh, presence with the principals there. They let us come and just sit and hang out with kids. We pray with kids. Uh, And so we have a presence in the schools that will hopefully uh, radiate the love of Jesus. And really that's the goal for us is that, hey, we want to be just good neighbors. We want the kingdom of God in Akron as it is in heaven. See, he's selling himself short now because he's a real deal. His ministry is killing it. Like, I mean, seven-year-old church in the very, let's just be honest, it's a very poor city, and God is doing some amazing, they renovated a gym. You all know how much floors cost. They got all this stuff, um, and all this happened was, hey, I'm like, hey, yeah, Dan, I'll invite you. You want to come and uh, build a wall with me? You want to lock arms and do ministry? And I don't even know how that is, because look at this. A kid born in Kenya, a kid born in Cambodia, serving together in Southern California, now being released to go to Akron, Ohio. (laughs) And I'm here in Vero Beach. Just because I said I'm not doing this by myself. I'm going to lock arms with somebody else and build a wall. Who are you locking arms with? Because you matter. Man, that, that clock is fake news right there to me. It says 42 seconds, get out of here. <laughs> Y'all have to be all in. Because if one of you don't do your role, the wall gets compromised. And when the wall gets compromised, then it all crumbles. Everything crumbles, right? You know what happens? If there's a free spot on the wall, people could come in. 
your role matters. And it says right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, just as a body though has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit to form one body. And it continues to go on. Now, if the foot, should I say, I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. Or if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. No, it's still going to be part of the body. So here's the deal. If the eye says, I don't want to be the eye, then the body can't see. If the ear says, hey, I don't want to be the ear, I want to be the eye, then we can't hear. Do you, do you get that? Do you get it? Well, I'm going to show a different illustration too. Come on out here, Emily and Aaron. Come on out here. Bring out your chicken. Let it go. Let it go. Woohoo! It's gorgeous. I didn't realize it is a gorgeous. She left you. Did she really? Oh, the golden calf. Oh wait, no, that's a that's a cow. My bad. Uh, this is cool. I'm gonna fry this. Um, you're a chicken, right? You're a chicken. You're walking around, right? What if I said, "Hey, chicken." Don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. What if the chicken said, you know, what about its feet? Said, nah, I don't want to be a feet anymore. Because have you seen the chicken's feet? They ugly. They need a pedicure, okay? Let me show you. Let me show you. So Christina wouldn't have let me do this. Because I asked her, hey, can I just cut your chicken's feet off on stage? I don't know. I thought, I thought these were things for five bucks. I go to Sam's Club. They're cooked for five bucks. But I guess they're a little worth more. So I said, fine. I'll go to Walmart and get chicken feet. So I got some chicken feet there. This, these chicken feet cost about 10 cents a piece. Okay? 10 cents a piece. Chicken feet. These are real chicken feet. I know. Go ahead and say, yo, that's fine. So all these, they kind of smell too. Oh, my gosh. They've been sitting here for a couple of hours now. These are chicken feet. What if I told the chicken, hey, the feet, I'm taking your feet. This looks, this, this costs 10 cents a piece. Let's be honest, 10 cents a piece for most of us, that's insignificant, right? If somebody on the street says, hey, can I get a dollar? You may be like, I don't know. But if someone goes, hey, all I need is 10 cents. You'd be like, oh yeah, I'll be a big baller today. I got 10 cents, right? Because that's insignificant, 10 cents? These are worth 10 cents each. How much is it worth to that chicken? Let me clean my hand. I'm a germaphobe. Imagine that chicken without feet. Then it's like this. It ain't going nowhere, right? It won't be able to live to its fullest potential. It ain't going to be walking around stage leaving gifts. It's just going to be like. And then we'll have to euthanize it. And it won't ever do what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to lay me eggs so I can get an omelet in the morning, right? It's supposed to be this someday. Fried chicken. If you don't know, this is uh, Regina and Christina. Man, they, they had us over Friday night and they made me some homemade fried chicken because she knows that's my fave, okay? Yes, you. You're supposed to be fried chicken someday. Don't be, oh, it's a chicken, dude. Get out of here. Sorry, I know to Christina it matters, but uh, you, you guys can take that before. See, give it up for Aaron and Emily. Thank you. What if I took its feet? That's you. What if your feet 
your part of the body was gone, we wouldn't be able to function. We will never be able to function to God's fullest potential, what God has called us to do. Because I think some would say, Zorro, yes, you know what, those people are important. Oh, y'all love to clap. You should go to a baseball game. This is church, come on. Uh, <laughs> I know, she's crazy. I, she's awesome. But we say, I'm just chicken feet. I'm only worth 10 cents. I'm damaged goods. You don't know what I've gone through in life, Zorro. You don't know what my gift is. I don't, I go, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You matter so much to the body of Christ. You matter so much to Pathway Church that we can never build, we can never do what God is fully calling us to do unless you're part of it. That's how much you matter. Chicken feet, I know, it matters. Let's, let's look at our next step questions. It says this. First one is, how would you assess your confidence with the vision and leadership here at Pathway? So the question is, hey, let me just put in dumbed down terms. Do you trust the leadership here? Do you trust the vision? Do you believe in the vision? And maybe another way of asking is, can you trust the leadership here? Can you trust the vision here at Pathway? Because if you can, we're going to go kill it. We're going to go kill it together. We're going to make a huge difference here, outside of our four walls, and in our community, and all across the world. This is the story. You all saw Dan. Dan wasn't just a prophet. This is the real deal. If you believe. What does it mean to be all in? And then, if you know what it means to be all in, then you got to ask yourself, am I all in here at Pathway? Am I all in here at Pathway? What's the reservation? Why am I not all in? Those are you and God questions, man. Those are between you and God. But I know there's people in here that says, yeah, I'm all in. And then poker, right, when you go all in with all your chips, you're all in. Some of you hide that chip in the back pocket. Like, hey, I'm going to try to hold one chip. Then you're not all in. And that chip becomes worthless, honestly. It's not even worth the next blind. I know you're, some of you are judging me right now because I know poker. But hey, are you all in or not? And the last thing is, in what ways are you actively contributing to the growth and development here at Pathway? What role are you playing in building that wall? Because it takes hundreds of volunteers weekly to run this place. Hundreds, I said hundreds. For that family, Mike's family, for them to go from no hope, no living in despair, to being with Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you right now, dude, last night, my conversation with him, he was on fire just saying, Zor, I have hope. I know where my family is headed. I know where we're headed. For that to happen, it took a minimum of 40 of us to be involved in his, in his family's lives. You want to be a part of that? That's what you're invited to. 